Good morning, church. My name is Kevin Sintron. I have been a member at Covenant Life Church almost two years now, and I am so thankful to be here and to today to preach the Word of God. The title of the sermon will be The Glorious Vision of Heaven. Charles E. Fuller once announced that he will be speaking the following Sunday on heaven. During that week, a beautiful letter was received from an old man who was very ill. The following is part of his letter. Next Sunday, you are to talk about heaven. I am interested in that land because I have helped a clear title to a property there for over 55 years. I did not buy it. I was given to me, it was given to me without money and without price. But the donor purchased it for me at tremendous sacrifice. I am not holding it for speculation since the title is not, is not transferable. It is not a vacant lot. For more than half a century, I have been sending materials out of which the greatest, the greatest architect and builder of the universe has been building a home for me, which will never need to be remodeled nor repair because it will suit me perfectly, individually, and will never grow old. Termites can never undermine its foundation, for they rest on the rock of ages. Fire cannot destroy it. Floods cannot wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be placed upon its doors, for no vicious person can ever enter that land where my dwelling stands. Now almost completed and almost ready for me to enter in and abide in peace eternally without fear of being ejected. There is a valley of deep shadow between the place where I have in California and to which I shall journey in a very short time. I cannot reach my home in the city of God without passing through the dark valley of shadow. But I am not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through the same valley long, long ago and drove away all its glooms. He has stuck by me since we first became acquainted 55 years ago and hold his promise in printed form. Never to forsake me or leave me alone. He will be with me as I walk through the valley of shadow. And I should not lose my way when he is with me. I hope to hear your sermon, your sermon on heaven next Sunday from my home in Los Angeles, California. But I have no assurance that I shall be able to do so. My ticket to heaven has, not, has no day marked for the journey, no return coupon, 
and no permit for baggage. Yes, I am all ready to go. I may not be here while you are talking next Sunday evening, but I should meet you there someday. And that finished the letter. In your concept of heaven, has as real for you, sorry, in your concept of heaven, as real for you as it was for him? Is your concept of heaven as real for you as it was for him? If I am honest, I struggle to think about it. Even a couple of years ago, I was fearful at the thought of death. Every time the idea of death came into my mind, I was scared. What has helped me has been meditating and trusting in the promise of the Lord. I hope that in this sermon, you can understand that heaven is the place we long for. Because God is there. God is there. Let's pray, brethren. Oh, Father, as we come to you, teach us your word. Change us, Lord. Help us to think of the glories of heaven. That our thought, our mind, look at the dwelling that you will have with your people. Oh, Lord, as we hear your word, Give us the heart and the passion to obey you and to contemplate you, Lord. Help us, Lord, in this day. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before we get to our passage, it is important that we describe what is happening. John started describing the final vision he received from God. This is a revelation. It's the ending times. He begins by showing that there is a rejoicing in heaven because of the eminent reality of the second coming of Christ. Then he mentioned that there will be a wedding feast of the land that will be celebrated. In this event, the church, the bride of Christ, will receive her reward. After this session, John goes to describe the glorious second coming of Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. Those who reject God and refuse to repent will be judged on that day. Later, John continues by saying that the final judgment will come in which Satan will receive a punishment for his evilness, that all heaven and that all earth will be destroyed, and all unbelievers will be judged and thrown to the lake of fire, receiving an eternal punishment. Lastly, the apostle brings the great news that God will create a new heaven and a new earth so the holy people of God can live there all eternity with him. This is what we, what we see in the chapter, forward to what we are talking today, Revelation 21. So how will we, how will we study Revelation 21, 1 through 4? I will explain it this way. My first point will be look at heaven. Look at heaven. My second point will be, hear the Lord's promise. Hear the Lord's promise. And third, look at what God will do. Third, 
Look at what God will do. Look at heaven. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And the sea was no more. Imagine this view. Imagine this view. Take a look to what John wants us to see. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. This view, in order to understand it, we need to have spiritual eyes. When we are talking about new, we refer to newness in quality. As we think about this vision of new heaven and new earth, we can conclude that it is something unique, distinctive, brand new, and fresh. The Old Testament reminds us of this truth. Isaiah saw it in a vision. He said, For behold, I create new heaven and new earth. And the former things should not be remembered or come to mind. The new heaven and new earth were foreseen by Isaiah as part of his vision of the renewed Jerusalem. It is remarkable that John picture of the final age come to focus, but it is not what we typically think about heaven. Children, when you are Hearing this word heaven, what do you picture? What do you picture? It is clouds, a bright light, an angel playing a harp. <laughs> I am sure we all heard a story about people that say they have vision of heaven and saw loved ones or feel like they were in a perfect place. Yet, this vision that we are talking about today is much more reliable than any other stories. Than any other story. This vision is in the Word of God. Therefore, it is real. It is real. It is not a man idea of heaven or a distant paradise, but the reality of a new earth and a new heaven. John focused on this new heaven and new earth because that is the hope that we can find in the midst of our fallen world. Let's take you back to the beginning when all started. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Why does God create heaven and earth? God created heaven and earth to be man's permanent home. And it was good, but sin and death entered the world and transformed the earth into a place of rebellion and separation, and it became an enemy territory. As we hear this word, think about it. Brother, sister, visitor, God who is holy, who is just and loving, created us on his image, created us on his image, but as sin but as sin entered this world to man, the fellowship and the relationship with God broke. And we were cut out of his presence. The sin of rebellion is passed on from generation to generation as a course. All people inherit both the sin and the judgment. Our sin nature makes it impossible for anyone to, err, to earn his way back to God. But the beautiful news comes when God in his love provided a way of salvation. 
Jesus, who was fully God, fully man, lived on earth and lived a perfect life and became the perfect sacrifice to ransom us from the course, curse of sin and death. Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. Through his death on the cross, we receive forgiveness. He rose from the grave, conquering death and proving that what he said was true. Through his death, he purchased the right to offer us forgiveness from sin and the right for any who will turn to him to become children of God. This is the gospel. Brethren, this is the gospel. In order for us to be in the new heaven and a new earth, God had to send his son to redeem us. We need the gospel. It is because of this that we can talk about new heaven. Oh, friend, listen to this. This is the news that I most treasure. This is the news that I most treasure. And I plead you, if you don't know Christ, come to him. Come to him. Turn away of your sin and trust Christ. Now, even as God's original plan was to create earth and heaven to be man's permanent home, sin transformed the earth into a place of rebellion and separation. God worked his salvation to affect a total reversal of the evil consequence and to liberate earth and heaven from the bondage of sin and corruption. That is why John is reminding us to look at heaven. To look at heaven. Why? Because everything will be new. Everything will be new. The presence of the Lord will be with man forever. Forever. Also, the heaven and the earth will be new because of the presence of a new community of people. That it is holy and will be with the Lamb. What a hope to long for. What a hope to long for. Think about it, brother. As you live life today, think about this hope. Then John goes further in his vision by saying, For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and the sea was no more. What does he mean by this? That the whole order of life in the world, death, mourning, crying, pain, sin, will not exist or be in the new heaven. This is why we can say as Peter that the new heaven and earth is the home of the righteousness. It's the home of the righteousness. Because there will not be any of these things when we find what we find on earth. Continue with verse 2. John continues by pouring more of the vision to us by saying, not only the heaven and the earth will be new, but there will be a holy city. A holy city. And I saw a holy city coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. The holy city is a place in which the saints rejoice and enjoy the glory of God forever. God's people, as Scripture reveals, have long awaited this day and moment. We long for that moment to come. 
A hope we can find this city is that we will not be marked by sin or disobedience because it's a holy city. The city is the church in its future glorified existence. It is the final realization of the kingdom of God. The new Jerusalem will be pure, spotless, without blemish in character. She also will be called a bride. A bride captured something of God's personal relationship to his people, as well as something of their life in communion with him and one and one another. As we see this holy city, we see that it's also is compared to a bride. And to illustrate this idea about being prepared as a bride adorned for a husband, I am helped by MacArthur's commentary on this point. He said, back in the day, weddings did not look like our wedding do today. When I got married a year and a half ago, we got prepared and had the ceremony, the food and the party all in the same day. One day, and it is done. Not so in Israel. And even other cultures around the world, the Jewish people had three parts to their wedding, a betrothal, the presentation, then the ceremony. The betrothal was similar to our modern day engagement. Yet it was much more serious and binding. In their culture, after the betrothal occurred, they were considered married even though they did not live together yet. The presentation was a time of celebration and feasting, which could go on for days and will eventually leap up to the actual wedding ceremony and the consummation of their marriage. End of the call. This holy city coming down of heaven is compared to a bride adorned for her husband. What a beautiful act will happen. The bird make ready or prepare refer to God action on preparing a people, a redeemed people of all ages who will live forever in all eternity. So God is preparing that bride. And as you think about that bride, God is talking about us. He's talking about the church. And these have to compel you. Because what John is saying is that you will be the bride who will meet with Jesus. That is what he is saying. Assemble this picture in your mind. We will be the bride coming to Jesus. What do you think about this? How do you feel? This will come to reality. This will happen. Are you marble about this? We are going to be with the Lord. As a bride, we will see our Savior. Oh, Lord, we wait for you. Come, Lord Jesus. This will be a day of eternal joy. In summary, the image of the Savior represents the fellowship of God with his people in a new creation. There will be a whole new reality. 
a new kind of existence in which all of the negatives of the first heaven and earth will be removed. All that discoloration by sin will be gone. Now that we know all of this, how, do, how does it look to live life looking at heaven? Paul described it this way in Colossians 3, 1 to verse 2. If you have been raised up with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. As the day approaches, set your mind on the things of heaven. And start with a thought each morning about God. Think about the joy we will have in heaven when we meet Jesus. Even if you feel that sometimes your mind goes in different ways, different directions, I encourage you to meditate in the hope found in heaven. God will strengthen you and give you the grace you need. In our first point, we discuss look to heaven. Now, in our circle point, we will talk about hear the Lord promise. Hear the Lord promise. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Listen, church, this is an announcement of a great importance and one of the most wonderful promises in the Bible. It is God promised to us, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. This expresses that as God will establish his stand amongst his people, no longer will he be off, distant, and transcendent. No more will his presence be veiled in the human form of Christ, but he will be among us. Like, if you look at the Old Testament, if people look at God, they will, they will die. But... Here, we will see God and we will dwell with him. Moses was not able to see God's glory all, all God's glory. He only looked his back. But we will see his full glory and we will be that church that will love him and fellowship forever. Brethren, I am joyful. I am joyful to see heaven. I am joyful to see heaven, and I want you to see it too. This promise will come to reality. The amazing truth that the pure in heart will see, will see the Lord is compelling. Also, Christ's prayer record in John 17, 24, will be answered too. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. And if, as if that were not, not enough, there will be no temple in heaven, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are His temple. 
Here, we preach the word of God. We remind the word of God. But there, we will have God talking to us. What a glorious vision of heaven. What a glorious vision of heaven. It is so staggering to hear this truth, but it's more extravagant. That the heaven voice repeated several ways that God will deal with his people. John expresses this way. That dwelling place of God is with men. But he don't stop. He goes. He will dwell with them. He don't stop. He goes again. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Do you know how glorious is this? He is starting by only, oh, dwelling with God. God will dwell with his people. Then he goes like, he will dwell with them. And then he said, I God will be with them as their God. Brethren, think this is a true reality of the word. This is not me. I am not preaching. I am telling you what is in the Bible. And I want you to trust it. I want you to trust it. This will be a manifestation of God's glorious presence to his Bible, to, to his people, sorry. Like no other in redemptive history and the combination of all divine promise and human hope. I repeat it again. This will be a manifestation of God's glorious presence to his people. Like no other in redemptive history and the combination of all divine promise and human hope. Now as you listen to this, it can come to you this question. What will it be like to live in God's glorious presence in heaven? What will it be like? One of the beautiful truths is this. We will enjoy perfect, perfect fellowship with him. Perfect fellowship. Sin will not hinder our fellowship with him. We will praise him. We will share his love. We will be grasping his holiness. We will be grasping a full mode of grace. We will see the eternal God in his fullness of his glory. But not also only that. We will see God as he is. John the Apostle said, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. Also, what is to be in glorious present in heaven, glorious present in heaven, we will worship God. We will worship God. And this is so important, brethren, because God is the creator of all. He is a loving God. He is a God who is just. And as we understand his character and as we deepen on his person, we can see why he deserves glory. He is the Lord of Lord. We tremble when we hear his voice. Like that is what the Bible relates in 
at the Old Testament, when people come and see the Lord, they were like trembling. They were like feeling who the God present was. Lord, um, friend, think about it. Think about this truth. This picture of the dwelling place of God with his people is describing the intimate communion with, with which God and his people we have with one another. Remember, church, as we hear the Lord promise and focus on heaven, glories, we can endure anything in this life and not lose joy. When we suffer, we can say like Paul, for momentary lie, affliction is producing for us an eternal way of glory, far beyond all comparison. 2 Corinthians 4, 17. We can endure suffering. Why? Because Christ saved us through dying on the cross and resurrecting in the third day so that we can have everlasting life. His sacrifice was an atonement for our sins so that we can be His people, so that we can be holy, so that we can be pure. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, we don't need much to endure suffering in life. We only need an exalted greater and wider and higher, deeper view of Christ. We need an exalted, greater, wider, and higher, deeper view of Christ. It is because of Christ we have access to the new heaven. It's because of Christ we are son of God. It's because of Christ we can love and be faithful to him. Run to Christ and remember, He will be with you. In the trial, He will be with you. So as you hear the Lord promise, and you are living life, and you are scared, or you have fear, or you think that you cannot do it, think on, on what God has said in this promise. He will dwell with you. He will dwell with you. Now, as we finish our second point, which was to hear the Lord promise, we will go into our last point. Look at what God will do. Look at what God will do. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither should there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This verse is one of the most precious in all scriptures. There is so much hope and assurance. This sinful, fallen world has left us beaten and broken. The pain it inflicts often overwhelms us almost crushing us. Heaven will be so dramatically different from the present world. To describe what is totally beyond human understanding also requires pointing out how different it is from our present human experience. So we cannot long for heaven if we don't describe the difference between the old heaven and the new heaven. Early 
life and heavenly life will be vastly different. The first change that believers in heaven will experience is that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's totally different. Today, we cry if we suffer, but we have to long and wait for God to heal us. But there, we will not have any tears. That does not mean that people who arrive in heaven will be crying and, and, God will be, and God will comfort them. As we're talking about the first change that believers in heaven will experience, that God will wipe away every tear, that doesn't mean that people who arrive in heaven will be crying. Okay? That doesn't mean that. We will not, as some imagine, be weeping as we face the record of our sin. No. Since Christ bore our sin in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wound you were healed, what, that, what this test declares is the absence of anything to be sorry about. No sadness, no disappointment, no pain. So what this verse is saying, we will not experience sadness. We will not experience disappointment. We will not experience pain. The tears that we have here on earth has come from sin's distortion. They are produced by death or mourning for the death, by crying or pain. Now God has defeated the enemy and liberate his people and his creation. And that is what we, look, we will look now. Another dramatic difference from the present world will be that heaven, there will no longer be any death. The great curse of human existence will not be more. Death, as Paul promised, is swallowed up in his victory. Both Satan, who had the power of death, and death itself will have been cast into the lake of fire. And do you know why is this? Because of Christ. Because of Christ. I love this quote, and I want you to meditate on it. Adrian Rogers used to say, death is only a comma to a Christian, not a period. When I was dating my now wife a couple of years ago, we had a conversation about death. It came to the question of, do you want to die? At that moment, I resolutely say, no. Of course, I don't want to die. The fear of death, death and the unknown was overwhelming. As I have studied and meditated on this verse the last few weeks, I can say I have an assurance and a hope that in heaven I will see my Savior. I know that I will be in a safe place. I will be with Jesus. It is easy to die when you are looking at the right thing. Like Stephen, we, got, we get God in heaven, and I wonder, brethren, I desire that today, you, as you are hearing this, you are encouraged to think that death will not be more, will not be. Christ died for us. 
He resurrected so that we can experience that hope. So that one day we can have a life that never will be vanished away. There will be no mourning or crying in heaven. The grief, sorrow, and distress that produce mourning and is our manifestation, crying will not cease in heaven. When Christ bore believers' sin on the cross, he also bore the sorrows. Sin, since sin is the cause of sorrow, Jesus in the cross take it. The perfect holiness and absence of sin will be characterized in heaven. We also will not receive pain, brother. We will not receive pain. On the cross, Jesus was pierced true for our transgression. He was crushed for us, for our iniquities, that chastening for our well-being fall upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. Brother, as I am talking about heaven, it is the gospel through all the passage. It is the gospel. We can see the gospel because that is what makes heaven a hopeful place. The healing ministry of Jesus was a preview of that will be that will characterize the eternal state that glorified sin free body believer will possess in heaven will not be subject to a pain of any kind. All those changes that will mark the new heaven and a new earth indicate that the first heaven has passed away. All human experience related to the original fallen creation is gone forever. And with all the mourning, suffering, sorrow, disease, pain, death, that has characterized it since the fall, would not be, would not be. So, as we think about that, John says in Revelation 21, 5, Behold, I am making all things new. So he's giving that declaration of a summary. He's saying, you read all of these four verses, but now I will tell you every, every, everything of this will come. Why? Because, behold, I am making all things new. This is the word of the Lord. God, people will experience everlasting joy and gladness because the former suffering will have fled away. In eternity, all the former things associated with the fallen world will pass away and there will not be coming back. Brothers and sisters, I know some of you grieve for someone. I know some of you have illness. Some are dealing with pain. But no matter, no matter what it is that you are dealing with, remember this glorious vision of heaven. When around us everything feels like it's crumbling, the promise in Revelation are true. It is certain. This is going to happen. Do you believe it, church? 
Do you believe it? God is making everything new. Everything. There will be rest and we will be in His presence. And it will be everlasting joy. And to conclude my message, as a result of this message, we are to encourage, we are encouraged to live in light of heaven. And for that, we need to look at heaven, hear the Lord promise, and remember that God will hand. All this is pointed to a future fulfillment where we'll be in the new heaven, abiding with God. Believer, we have the greatest hope. We will be with Him. We will find rest in Him. Hang in there. The Lord will come. Finally, if there is a person who is not a believer here, this is the truth to which you need to respond. The one true holy God cannot leave sin unpunished. That is why Jesus came to earth and live a perfect life. Die as a substitute for your sin and resurrect on the third day. This is so that we can experience forgiveness and not receive the wrath of God. Oh, friend, your soul is important to me. Your soul is important to me. And I want you to meet my Savior. And I want you to meet my Savior. And I want you to experience the glorious vision of heaven. I plead to you, repent from your sin and trust in Jesus Christ. Let's pray.